This is the Last of Us podcast on TV podcast industries, and this time we're talking about The Last of Us, episode 6, Kin. I saw a man kill his own brother to save her while I just watched. And today I thought that dog was going to tear her apart because it smelled something on her. And all I did was stand there. I couldn't move. I couldn't think of anything as I just... I was so afraid. You think I can still handle things, but I'm not who I was. I'm weak. Lately, there are these moments where the fear comes up out of nowhere, and my heart feels like it stopped. Welcome, welcome back, fellow survivors. This is the Last of Us podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about The Last of Us Episode 6, Kin. I'm one of your hosts, Chris. I'm one of your other hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow fun guys. I am your third and final host, John. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We're all mushroom heads mm. <laughs> in this after last episode. Definitely at the end of the last episode. Yes. I don't know whether are you are you a clicker? Are you a runner? Are you the the bendy kid? Are you the Goliath massive tank? Of course. If you were a fungal guy, what would you be? See, of course, I forgot Chris wasn't on the podcast for episode five. Of course, so we haven't heard what Chris even thinks about episode five ourselves. Uh, Chris, I know you asked the question, but I'm going to throw it straight back at you. What did you think of episode four and five? I loved it. Yeah. I loved the story, especially it's the, the, the gut punch ending of Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really just seeing how you build that story of what happened in Kansas, hearing how Fedra in Kansas was, or Kansas City, Casey, uh, were bad. Like they were the worst of the worst mm-hmm. and not fully understanding what's going on from when you get there in that initial opening. To seeing how they get in there and the, the, but then seeing in episode five, the, the, the shootout from a separate direction and how Sam and his brother are able to get to Joel and Ali and then work together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hearing, I like the, there's addition, there's additional kind of hints and kind of Easter eggs about the den down underground where they were training the school Mm -hmm. with the kids about some survivors and the whole time you're there's that just one black tunnel in the background Mm -hmm. where like every horror thread in (laughs) me is like someone's gonna pop out of there someone's gonna pop out of there so never happens exactly and you're like where are all the like what has happened to the infected Mm To get to that lovely scene where you have the sniper to get there and see the Joel shooting the, the the driver, hitting the house, and then over the period of it, you see it slowly sink, mm-hmm. and then hear the noise, and then you remember hearing they drove them underground. Yes, exactly, and like, oh my god, <laughs> and then hearing, seeing the different types of infected, yeah, all very similar versions of the clickers, but like. Yeah. Yeah, clickers and runners mixed in, yeah. but just seeing this massive Goliath one yeah. and the little child acrobat kind of in the car to getting the the very much the gut punch ending for something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like again, I haven't played the game mm-hmm. up to this point, like beyond like again 
pretty much beyond the second episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was all new to me. I yeah. know, but I know the story of The Last of Us. It is, you think you can't have any more heartbreak? Here's some more heartbreak <laughs> for you. Got like this character? Well, that character's not going to survive because yeah. it's The Last of Us. Yeah. Um, the only bit I'm missing is literally... Joel Ellie going, but we're the last of us. <laughs> well, that is not I, going to happen. No, uh, exactly. Thankfully, uh, it's, not, it's not going to happen. But I'm glad you, glad you enjoyed those episodes. Uh, we mentioned this on the podcast last week, but yes, that section from the sniper to the attack of the infected is from the game, and it is our favorite section of the game. Uh, such a good, uh, a good moment in in there. So I'm glad they translated it the way they did to the to the, to the show. Obviously, much more character development in there uh, in the episode as well. But uh, yeah, heartbreaking ending for the last episode. Yeah. Um, but the best description I've heard of it since the episode aired and since our podcast aired was uh, that's what you get when you sweep everything under the rug, uh, like they <laughs> swept all the uh, infected out of the city without killing them. So. <laughs> uh, the traditional Irish way, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's not talk about arguments or issues. Let's sweep it under the rug. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Um, overall, look, I absolutely loved it. But we're mm-hmm. not here to talk about what I loved on four and five. We are here to talk about episode six because the kin is kin is good. Kin kin is family. Mm-hmm. It's all about family. Yeah. I just want to remind everyone: the Last of Us World End. Pub quiz question six will be up later this episode. Mm-hmm. You can email all your nine answers at the end of the season to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. And for the extra chance to get your hands on The Last of Us Part 1 for PlayStation 5 or PC, don't forget you can rate us on Apple Podcasts and send us an email with those details. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely, yeah. Already gotten a few entries in uh, so far for the uh, the pub quiz. Uh, but if you're saving up uh, to share you, your answers at the end of the season, I think our closing date's around the 20th of March, which is about a week after the finale of uh, of The Last of Us Ends. And then we'll do our wrap-up for the season and announce who the winner of the pub quiz is. So uh, get all your answers in. If you haven't ca- caught one or two of the questions so far, pop on over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com. There's a little button that says quiz at the top there, and you can see all the questions for the Last of Us pub quiz and the Star Trek Picard quiz in case you're interested in that yes. too. Yes, yes, yes. And if you like the podcast, make sure you head on over and check out our brand new website that is brought to you by our supporters over on Patreon.com. Mm-hmm. Yes, go to TVPodcastIndustries.com and marvel in the beautifulness that is the new website. It's Ooh. pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And the best thing about it is uh, exactly the same web address, TVPodcastIndustries.com. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Makes it much easier for everybody, right? A, yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> and a big shout out and thanks to our supporters. Uh, as we say, it keeps the lights on, mm-hmm. it keeps the servers running, and of course, every now and again, uh, things require a little updating. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes really cool updating. So, yeah, go over and check that out. Uh, good stuff. We also want to hear your thoughts. If you want to email us, you can tell us your thoughts about any of the shows we're covering. Email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. And that's the same place you can send your entries in for the pub quiz. Yes. But, gentlemen, should we jump into some of the episode details mm-hmm. for episode six? Derek, why don't you tell us who gave us what? With this episode. Absolutely. The show is based on the PlayStation game written by Neil Druckmann, directed by Bruce Straley from game publisher Naughty Dog. The show is written and executive produced by Craig Mason and Neil Druckmann, and this episode, once again, written by Craig Mason. Uh, this episode is directed by Jasmine Zabanek. Um, she's born in Sarajevo and is an award winning 
movie director, but this is her first episode of The Last of Us. So excited to have her on board. Uh, interestingly, on the official podcast, they were talking about the fact that as she was born in Sarajevo and lived during the war, they actually offered her the episodes in Kansas City of of the war. And she said, I have absolutely no interest in directing that. I want the character episodes. <laughs> and, and I think understandably, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. I don't think you want yeah, to take your experience like that one. into a TV show. <laughs> no, that's definitely a fair one. <laughs> Maybe slightly too much like uh, history. Absolutely. So uh, so it's, it's she's responsible for all the uh, wonderful vistas we get to see in this episode. And there are many. And there They're are many. Really nice. Definitely. Definitely. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for The Last of Us Episode 6, Kin? Sure. Three months after the death of Sam and Henry in Kansas City, Joel and Ellie have made their way to Wyoming to find Joel's brother Tommy and find the Fireflies. But they are lost and winter has set in. With a little help from an off-grid elderly couple, they find their way to the town of Jackson. The working commune is heavily protected to avoid external threats, but Tommy is happily living there with his wife Maria. An emotional Joel reunites with his brother and eventually confides with Tommy his concern that he's becoming too old and slow to see Ellie to safety, and asks him to take her the rest of the way as he worries that he'll get Ellie killed. Despite her protests, Tommy gets ready to escort Ellie to the University of Colorado, the last known location of the Firefly scientists near Wyoming. But at the last minute, Joel regrets his decision and agrees to take Ellie to them himself. Leaving Jackson on horseback, Joel promises Tommy they'll be back. At the university, now overrun by monkeys, they learn the scientists have moved on, possibly to Utah. But as they go to leave the campus for the new location, they come across an unknown group of roving hunters. Silently, they make their way back to their horse when one of them attacks Joel. In the struggle, Joel kills his attacker, but is stabbed. Under a hail of bullets from Ellie, the two escape on their horse to the outskirts of the city, where a severely injured Joel falls off the horse, collapsing to the ground. In the cold and snow, Ellie suddenly feels alone and helpless. There we have it. That is an ending. Will, is that the end of Joel? I was going to quickly say that I... Basically, depending on how you see it, most colleges these days are still kind of full of monkeys and roaming bands of hunters. Like, just depending on, like, that's just college, really. I think that's that's uh, Monkey University that you're thinking of, Chris. Uh. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Where I got my degree is not, not the, kind of the point here. Yeah, I did uh, like yes. that conversation, actually, where Ellie's kind of going, you mean they did classes here? Adults, yeah, um, and it's like adults chose to go to school here. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's just Joel's response. Well, there were sort of adults. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But okay, let's let's very much jump into our points, our top moments for this episode. I suppose the one that we could probably all kind of jump in on and have a quick discussion on is the sassiness of the old couple <laughs> that have been taken hostage. We're at gunpoint, at least. Oh, it's so cool to see these two in here. Graham Greene, um, who I think most people probably know him from Dances with Wolves, but he's such a great actor that we've seen him in so many things over the years. And uh, Elaine Miles, who's playing his wife uh, in this here, known from Northern Exposure, probably her biggest oh, yeah. role as well. So, uh, so having these two characters in here who effectively had gone off grid way before um, the fall of society. Uh, it's re- I think it's such a great scene seeing the two, the two of them kind of being confronted by, uh, Joel and 
Ellie as well, uh, as they wander through their house, uh, completely lost in Wyoming. We kind of did talk about this in the first episode, but Joe was saying, I'm going to Wyoming to find my brother. And we were going, okay, that's 200 miles away, plus Wyoming's a very big state. <laughs> How is he going to find his brother? And yeah, totally lost in here. I love the little uh, jab from uh, from Ellie where she's saying, uh, yeah, we missed all the road signs in the, in the giant forest out there. You know, another little bit of sassiness from our own main sassy character there. Definitely. Um, like for me, this was like the comedy part mm-hmm. of this episode and yeah. i really really enjoyed it i love the dead pan comedy from the two couple yeah. and i just loved how that interacted with um with ellie and joel uh just just seeing her use her eyes to like look over it you know he didn't hurt me um and the 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 guy just says i have eyes um you mm-hmm. know and then joel with his threat around Show me where we are on the map, and the answer has to be the same as your your wife's. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, did you tell them the truth? And she goes, yes. Are you telling me the truth? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, yeah. so, so good. And it's just where, where Florence then uh, says, oh, and he, he has a, a kid, and Ellie's, well, can I come down now? And there's, no, no, don't come down, but she comes down anyway, and... You know, they might jump us, and she's like, "Dude, they're like a thousand years old." <laughs> it is, it is great. It just the the couple Marlon and Florence are just uh, so much fun. Uh, particularly uh, Marlon's reaction to to Ellie uh, yeah. is really good. But it, even just then, Marlon saying, "Who's this little psycho?" <laughs> it was yeah. just all really on point, mm-hmm. funny, just so good. Loved this yeah. a lot. I mean, even. Uh, it's even when Marlon says, you gave them soup? Mm-hmm. It's, <laughs> it's cold like, outside. Yeah. <laughs> really good. Yeah. I, I have a thing. Uh, any sassy animals, mm-hmm. sassy children, I love. Yes. And then now I'm adding in sassy grandparents. Absolutely. <laughs> like, it's Absolutely. just basically when you combine, like, all it needed now was, like, a sassy animated character. Oh. And, like, this is perfect trifecta. <laughs> I love it. Um, I love it. It was just, but, but there's too much sass then potentially. Maybe, like, maybe like it's a sass off, if you will. Yeah, but it's it's um, even the fact that like, you can tell they spent all of their time together. You know, I'd say their world wasn't hugely different um, before the apocalypse. I guess they just aren't going to places as as uh, Marlon says, "Don't go to anywhere people wear," because uh, that's yeah. now completely overrun by infected. Um, but it seems like this is what their life was like for quite a long time. You know, I love, I love Marlon saying, we moved here before you were born, kid, to, to Joel, who's 56, like, and, uh, and, um, Florence saying, well, I didn't want to move here. You know, just <laughs> still holding that back, you know, like, again, it would be 50 years out here in the, in the wilderness, and she's still holding that as a grudge against her husband, who she's stuck with all the yeah, time. Yeah. And, and totally isolated, yeah. totally off grid yeah. in the sense of when, they say they're going to find the fireflies. You have Florence saying, "Oh yeah, we get those a lot in the summer mm-hmm. with, with the bugs." Um, and then when it when it's explained to her, she's like, "They're all firefly people," and just like kind of <laughs> chuckles to herself that this is the most ridiculous thing ever. Um, <laughs> really so, good, really good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they also as well then set up that warning you know the notion of the river of death Mm -hmm. about the bodies piled up on the other side infected and uninfected Mm -hmm. and uh i do like the moment where he says what advice would you give to those heading west Mm -hmm. when joel says that and marlon just says head east yeah 
Like, yeah, so it. you're kind of going, what the hell is about to happen? Mm-hmm. You know? And that kind of does set up the rest of the episode mm-hmm. because you're basically, you see the expanse of just pure white and nothing. And the, the other couple are like, there's nothing out here except for death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, basically, we see dead clickers or dead infected, I think they say, uh, and dead people. Yeah. People go there and never come back. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, and I guess since you're not a game player, Chris, I wonder, that's probably a question I'll ask you. Um, did you feel the tension in this episode, given that we've had five yeah. episodes where every episode we've had someone die, things go down really badly? Did you feel that as tension in this episode that something really bad is going to happen here with the setup? Because I did feel this is another episode that feels much more like a Western than I was expecting coming into the show. Um, yeah. You have this setup of the two wandering strangers coming into town and getting the the warning off from uh from the couple of the old couple in a cabin you know that's kind of a, a traditional kind of western setup as well as some horror movies too but uh, but what did you think chris did that have that tension yeah. set up for you it, it did like a lot of this show is very much feeling like lone wolf and cub style stuff where you you do have this elderly gruff ronin or western cowboy looking after the the young apprentice mm-hmm. um and you get that, like, they're sitting around the campfire talking about the stars and their wishes, mm-hmm. which is great. And we can kind of chat about that later. Yeah. But the whole time, you, the, Craig, or the, sorry, I should say the director, has kind of chosen to blanket everything in a way that it is dark out there. Mm-hmm. It's just pure, like... So when you, they start to fall asleep, you're like, okay, they're going to get attacked. Yeah. Like, 100% by people or something or something. And then when you have that additional discussion of, was that the river? I thought that was the river. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're like, yeah. oh, no, you're already there. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, and then the you get a, a big dam, and you're like, oh, no, there's going to be something there. They're going to have to cross. Yeah. It's just consistent. The best one I had is there was a pan back when they first crossed the bridge. Mm-hmm. There's a, a pan up, I should say, of kind of the, 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 the upcoming landscape. And in the far left of the screen, there was this just big building, mm-hmm. uh, kind of just a great building. And it just caught my eye because I was like, Oh, oh, they're going to have to pass this bio lab. Right. And that's where like, because it was the middle of nowhere, they were testing on the infected and they made a super infected. <laughs> ah! Uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. Just based because they, they racket up the tension consistently. They do. And I think actually just that whole meeting at the start is a really good setup because in a sense, until the very end, nothing as such happens to them. There's moments of danger um, mm-hmm. when they're surrounded uh, by the people on horseback. Absolutely. But actually it plays out in a much calmer way, but because of that warning, mm-hmm. you're constantly going, well, I was anyway, constantly thinking, oh, something bad's going to happen now that they're in Jackson. Yeah. Oh, who are these people on the, the riders? It ends off being fine. And I guess part of it is that any one of those points could go and could head south really quickly. Exactly. Depending on who you are. But yeah, and it we've... kept attention throughout the episode, yeah. which... 
was really, really well sort of maintained, I think. Yeah. And, and we've also had the setup for this back in episode four as well. You know, Joel and Ellie, as you say, Chris, are sitting out in the wilderness, Ellie seeing the Aurora Borealis and then talking about their hopes and dreams. When they go to sleep, Joel says, I'll take both watches tonight. And then you see him on his side again, exactly as he was when, <laughs> uh, when the guns were held over him by, uh, by the two brothers back in uh, episode four. So, you do have that feeling of tension, I'm sure, yeah. uh, as well, uh, w- w- when you're in those moments with, with Joel. So uh, this has all been building, but it all helps to kind of, they're, they're using those kind of pieces that they've built throughout the season so far to amp the tension, even in an episode where you get to the end and go, actually, none of that was tense. It was quite a nice story where he goes to meet his brother, isn't it, this episode? <laughs> so he finally gets to reunite with his family, you know. Um, there's quite a nice storyline that's there, but they ramped up the tension, even though it all actually worked out very well in the end. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And but they they keep you on edge as well by adding the proxy that is the panic attacks that Joel feels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're like, oh, is he going to have a heart attack? They they just drip feed these additional just as moments as you start to feel things are going well. Mm-hmm. They inject small pieces that we can discuss now kind of as we go through our three points that make you continuously on edge yeah that that kind of keep that tension just at the right level Mm -hmm. that like you don't drop into pure kind of endorphin like ah everything is fine oh no 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 no. (laughs) like they just keep you at a nice steady kind of like 80 on this kind of blood pressure exactly but it is much easier watching the second time thankfully (laughs) once you once you've gone through that Uh, just before we move on from the uh, from the opening of the episode interestingly another episode that doesn't have any flashback in it at all i think i mistakenly as part of my joke last week about the flashback only being uh, 10 days i mistakenly said there was a, a flashback in episode four and there wasn't uh, so this is the second episode where we've had no flashback at all no uh, no time back uh, in the past at all so uh, all taking place in the in the present moment with the two of them but a three-month time jump um yeah in, in this episode yeah so so they have taken a very long time to get across now from Kansas City to Wyoming. It's taken three months, mostly on foot, is by by the sounds of things. That is what they've done. They didn't yeah. get any other vehicle or anything like that on the journey. So, and it's winter time. It's snowing. Mm-hmm. So you know things are getting tougher. Yes, and yeah. uh, and we will say again exactly the same as the game. This is this is where the game takes place. It is uh, it is winter time, and there is a, a three month gap after the last big uh, big moment i suppose <laughs> before this after the, the death of the kids so yeah and it's okay I, i'll kind of jump in and take first point here which is <laughs> the the commune and the communists <laughs> yes. of jackson i love that um because this is cool like every or a majority of all the the, the situations and the people and everyone we've met to date have been the worst like not the worst but like when we first meet Tess and Joel, mm-hmm. they're in, they're basically in a federal controlled city yeah. or kind of sanctuary and it's not good. It's like, mm-hmm. like, it's not good for the people. It's run down. Then you, we got all the other communities that we've met and then you've got this completely idyllic mm. community. And some of the best parts is like they had electricity mm-hmm. from the dam. They had, like Christmas, they had barbers, they had a cobbler, yeah. they had cinema. They had a bar. Yeah. They had a bar uh, uh-huh. with their own, he's making his own bourbon? 
by the looks of things. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Jill does yeah. give it a look as if it's not quite up to snuff, but probably better than any bourbon he's tasted in 20 years. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> and once you add the bacon, Absolutely. you know, Who needs that's, all you, that's need. all you need. Yeah. I'd be with Tommy on that, actually. <laughs> ba- bacon and bourbon, I'm good. Sort of. I'm like, I'm, that's perfect. Um, so this, the one of the, the, the really interesting things is seeing Jackson. Mm-hmm seeing what it is in comparison and learning about why it is the way it is yeah. in that it's white fields and nothing all around it. It was a gated community that they'd kind of built up out of. Mm-hmm. So they have a line of sight all around it. You see when they ride in yeah. and they bandits and infected alike are, are kind of mercifully, or non unmercifully killed and left out to to build that persona of something's out there. It's a dead. It's a dead zone. Exactly. The, like they 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 get a really good reaction and kind of a really good kind of uh, piece from top me around. It's like they build that reputation to keep everything safe. Exactly. Yeah. And you also get the you know the reason why Tommy's been radio silent um right back to the first episode mm-hmm. um in Boston because you know they've cut radio chatter so they don't draw attention as well. So all yeah. of this and they've got a decent um dog that can sniff out an infected. Yes. Or But it doesn't. No. Yeah. That is the bit I was interested in mm-hmm. because technically, like, that's like almost like, is it like a COVID sniffing dog, for example, right? Where that you, if you were infected in that point in time, uh-huh. you technically get the dog would bark. But if you're immune and you've been, you've gone through COVID, the dog's not going to bark. <laughs> kind of. I, I take it that the dog sniffs out cordyceps. Um, and because Ellie doesn't have them inside her because the infection hasn't gone through her body, she's no longer infected, uh, effectively. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very, very hard to tell, but that was a really tense scene because yeah, it was. I love how they set it up where Joel is being checked and you almost see it as if, okay, well, dad's safe, that's fine. Therefore, Ellie doesn't need to be checked. It's almost going that way. He kind of goes, okay, we can breathe now. Everything's going to be okay. And then they say, right, now the girl. <laughs> and it's suddenly... Yeah. You can see everybody starts to tense again, um, but nice tension breaker where the dog just uh, licks her face and uh, and the two of them are in a loving little uh, little moment between the two of them. That's that's, that's quite nice. Um, but yeah, as to, as to why the dog doesn't uh, detect the infection, that would be my guess. Is just because there is no infection in there at all. So. Yeah, or if it is purely on smell, mm. then because the the Fedra detector gets her as infected it does yeah and so it's probably something to do with you know the blood but it, it could be to do with the antibodies or whatever is <laughs> happening that um you know that it, it's there in place but the body can can deal with this yeah um yeah so uh, you know all very weak uh, mm-hmm. and so on whereas the dog is purely from sniffing yeah or so, yeah. Uh, or something like that or Absolutely. even just how the person is, is behaving yeah, you know yeah. like we saw with the neighbor's dog you know starting to it just senses that something's back wrong. in episode one yeah. yeah yeah or she still has bills kind of jerky in her pocket and that's what <laughs> maybe <that's> maybe <laughs> <laughs> um but I, I i just like 
the the the, the commune that is Jack. Uh-huh. Like I like that idea that there is still these holdouts, not even holdouts, I suppose, these new spring sprung communities. Yes. Aware there is good people. Like and the fact that Tommy is there, the fact that you get this history, the fact that you get kind of what is being built and the, what they talk about and how they talk about and that there is a kind of a governing body mm-hmm. and it's not like Walking Dead where there was like the chair was it the chairman in one of the, <laughs> the, the governor the governor you're thinking of Chris governor. yeah but actually yes. this is very similar to uh, to one of the communities in uh, in the Walking Dead Hilltop uh, which was led by Maggie and uh, the whole team of survivors where they all were working together like a commune um, but I must say. From the minute that gate opened, when they walked in, I could see that HBO money, uh, not that AMC oh, yeah. money. <laughs> AMC had to spread out that uh, that money across sixteen to twenty episodes, well, uh, yeah. some seasons. Whereas uh, the show only nine episodes, so they can really put the money into what a commune that was set up for six or seven years at this stage. I think is roughly what we have about yeah. seven years. Uh, I think is what they say. It's been out around for a very long time, and Tommy's been brought into that community there. So, uh, so you could, re- I, I think, you really see it on the screen. It's the type of place you're going. If the world completely collapsed, I hope I would be in a group of people that would set up a community like this. Definitely. Yeah. No, definitely. And then we do get introduced to Maria, Mm -hmm. which is really one of the cool things. XDA um, and partner of Tommy. Mm -hmm. um, And we get kind of... The, the, uh, some really nice interactions with her and Ellie. Yes, we do. Which I think are some of the kind of... The best parts where, like, Ellie has the shower Mm -hmm. and new clothes and she gets Maria traded some of her stuff for uh, a a maroon or purple jacket. Uh Um, (laughs) Aubergine, I think we call it over here, but over there it's eggplant, right? Yeah. She refers to get your eggplant coat uh, before Mm -hmm. they go off to the cinema. Yes. Yeah. Uh, But before the cinema, we do get the haircut scene. Yes. Where she interjects herself to warn her about Joel. Mm -hmm. Um, And that automatically gets Ellie's back up. And I think it's done also in a way to get the audience's back up. Mm. It's delivered in that way because you start feeling, whoa, 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 who are you? We've been been, been with this man for months. Uh Technically, well, Ellie's been with him for months. We've been with him for at least five hours. Like you swan in in the first few like minutes of an episode and like telling us to mind our backs, <laughs> uh, and it's delivered in that way. Yeah. Now it's delivered in a way that you are supposed like it is supposed to be kind of motherly or somewhat protection based on the kind of watch yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't know you don't know who you're with exactly. Yeah, and Ellie straight away kind of knocks that back. Yeah, 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 uh, and it's really good. That's a really nice scene. That then gets pulled into the cinema where you see Ellie sitting there going, well, what the hell's going on? Where's Joel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I suppose that's one of the good things about this show. It's, it's one of the central ideas here. We're 20 years on from the fall. Um, and everybody that survived to this point, most everybody, let's say, has done something that they probably regret, that they probably wouldn't yeah. have done beforehand to keep themselves alive. So just hitting that point again that Joel has done really bad things i love that ellie turns it on and going well tommy was there too tommy did exactly the same thing but you're okay with him so why can't i be okay with joel you know um but i love the kind of twist of respect as well from from maria where she says to to ellie you're keeping a lot from me you should the only people that can hurt you are the people that you trust so be careful who you trust trust no one effectively so uh i do like that uh that kind of 
twist within the conversation as well. She does respect Ellie by the end of, of their chat. Yeah, and I mean, for, for Ellie as well, this is all new. You mm-hmm. know, it's Joel knows his brother. Joel's just met Maria. Yeah. For Ellie, she's just met Maria and Tommy, mm-hmm. but also this sense of almost what life was like before the fall. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like when she's having her meal in, in the mm-hmm. canteen and she's just wolfing it down. And she goes, I don't think I've ever had a full meal. Yeah. You know, and the, the, all this kind of, it, it's almost like overexposure to all of the, the, the senses uh, and the fact that people, it is the most normal Mm-hmm. that you can see i like the way in this episode as well there's a few knockbacks so i like when they're going to the stables and there's a, a herd of sheep there and she just kind of looks at them and goes look joel sheep bah. you know because joel <laughs> in in their campfire talk wanted to own an old farmhouse to raise sheep mm-hmm. um, and she's just like mocking him absolutely um, or because they do what they're told exactly. they, they're quiet and they do what they're told and unlike you ellie <laughs> exactly and it's just it's also like in the canteen mm-hmm. where she's eating and you know she, she's kind of quite snappy oh, with, yeah. with them and but she says oh, yeah. you've got two 90 year olds out there effectively shitting themselves and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Because of how you're portraying yourself with the bodies stacked up and so on. Yeah. And actually, yeah. possibly Florence would like to be in that, in Jackson. Yeah. Uh, maybe yeah. not Marlon, but certainly mm. Florence. Yeah. They're doing pretty well out there. They yeah. should be okay. <laughs> uh, anything else in Jackson, Chris? No, that's really, that's really it because there's a, there's a few more character moments, but where I think, I think I have a strange feeling that, uh, you, you guys might talk about it. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think we other, there's other other stuff that goes on there, on in there. But I know you mentioned the word a few times. But I do think one of my favorite moments in the episode is uh, is when Maria calls calls it a commune, and therefore everybody that lives here is a communist. And you see a former army uh, recruit uh, Tommy going through that realization in front of his brother <laughs> that yeah. he's now a communist, which is <laughs> which is <laughs> something that's that. absolutely yeah. abhorrent to him in the past or would have been in the past. I think that's really, really good. I like, like that moment. It, it was. Yeah. I guess that is triggering, uh-huh. <laughs> to yes. say the least. <laughs> no pun intended. Yes. Uh, but we do have another point, Jackson, I think. Do you want John? Yeah, mine's uh, about Tommy and Joel uh, reuniting here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like a two-step reunion here. You know, the, mm-hmm. there's that absolute uh, joy, the catch-up, sharing whiskey, you know, talking about their life. Even though Joel, you know, lies to him initially about Ella? Tess. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and obviously the girl <laughs> yeah. in terms of Ellie. Um, he lies a lot, but he does seem like he's happy to see his brother at least. <laughs> well, he is. I mean, it's just it's like the shout out on mm-hmm. the street. They go for that that catch up where mm. they can talk about it. You know, Tommy is more honest about Maria and that yeah. they're they're pregnant. But this is where Joel asks him to come along with them. You know, for Joel, yeah. his expectation here has been. He's going to reunite with with Tommy, mm-hmm. and then it, it it's back to how it was before. You know, in in effect, Tommy replaces Tess to some degree. Yeah, yeah. In, in in this, and he's like, "Well, I can't because my wife, um, she's pregnant, so I, I'm not going to be able to go 
and carry on with you to mm. the university, to to the Firefly um, headquarters in Colorado. And you can see, you know, Joel immediately gets his back up. He's annoyed. And he, he yep. goes in for that, like I guess families do, that 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 kill, the, the hurt, you know, the retort um, about... Well, we'll soon see if you're a good father. Yeah. You know, yeah. even that, you know, this is the first time they've met in months and mm. he's immediately sort of attacking his first brother. Time, first time they've spoken in months. First time they've met in years. Well, that's true. Yeah. 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 Because it's been, a, it's been a few years since they've been outside um, of of Boston uh, for Joel and Tess early on in the season. We hear that. And uh, but that's been a few years, but it's been a few months since he's heard anything from Tommy at all. So Tommy's lived here for for, for that number of years i think we we get yeah. that it's four or five years he's been there i think so it's a long so, time yeah. you know yeah. i i kind of also like Maybe that callback where they you know where joel talks about you know those things we did and and tommy mm. is we murdered people yeah you know yeah. and Not but it, it, it like yeah exactly don't sugarcoat it but mm. it, it links in with maria's warning to ellie because mm-hmm. in a sense tommy does take ownership of what um happened mm-hmm. whereas maria's yeah. excuse to ellie is well he was following joel yeah and so i thought that was a nice little touch just those different perspectives here and mm. um, but oh, i love i love the description that tommy gives of it effectively we did the things we had to do to survive those were the only things we knew how to do to survive but there were other ways we just didn't know them effectively which yeah. I, I just thought was a really way a really great yeah. way of describing uh, why they did what they did yeah and so, you know, they've only just met. The, the euphoria of it is, like, really quickly dampened mm. um, in, in this and as Joel walks off. But then I think you get the more intimate chat where Joel is confiding mm-hmm. and telling the truth yes. to yeah. to Tommy in, in The Cobblers, uh, where, you know, he tells that story from the beginning that Tess has died. He tells him about Sam and Henry. Mm-hmm. All the yeah. things, and importantly, that Ellie is immune. You know, he isn't just doing this for a big paycheck, like he said back in the bar. She yeah. is immune, and there is a chance that Tommy can bring his newborn child into a better world, one where they will be protected against the Claudiceps. Exactly. And it also reveals what we've been seeing throughout this episode. You know, we see the kind of anxiety or panic attacks immediately as Joel and Ellie came out of uh, Florence and Marlon's cabin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... And that was in response to Marlon telling Joel, your brother's definitely dead. There's no way your brother could be yeah, alive. Exactly. If you go any further west here, your brother's definitely gone. And that is his first panic attack that we see. That's yeah. it. it. It's the It's the kind of, you know... It's the panic, not necessarily they had a panic attack, but the panic of waking up and having fallen asleep during mm-hmm. the night. Yeah. And it's Ellie who's guarding over him, mm-hmm. not him guarding over him and her. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the dog sniffing. And mm-hmm. um, with, you know, he's feels helpless in that moment. Yeah. So all these different panic attacks. So he has another one in Jackson as well mm-hmm. is where he's like, 
I'm just getting older. I don't remember my dreams. I'm getting slower. I'm worried I can't react yeah. to help Ellie get to where she needs to go. Yeah. And, and, and he even mentions, she will die. Yeah. And he even mentions Ellie saving him in Kansas City that five years ago he would have taken yeah. apart that kid. Yeah. It had to be Ellie that shot, that shot him and they may not have gotten out otherwise, you know. Um, yeah. it's such a moment of pure honesty from Joel and probably the best scene that Pedro Pascal has played this season so far where he is not the gruff cowboy on uh, on the back of a on the back of a uh, of a horse coming into town that'll save everything yeah you know but it's so well built on its platform throughout the season this idea that you know he doesn't want to go up loads of flights of stairs because his knees hurt he's in his 50s now he has back pain he has he's deaf in one ear you know those are all things that we saw as kind of joke not jokes but you can see the difference in the generational yeah. relationship between him and a teenage girl, you know? Um, whereas now you're hearing him almost fall apart because he's saying this to his brother, being completely honest with him. I think I'm going to be the one that gets her killed because I'm no longer as fast as I used to be. And she needs someone like you, someone who knows the area, someone who still has their skills and abilities. Um, she needs you to protect her, not someone like me. Uh, it's a it's a real bare moment, bare soul it, moment it, to his it brother. It really is, yeah. and it, it, it's a you know it's a call for help. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he, he says you need to take her. You know, um, you have to take her. It's it's a plea, yeah. ultimately coming from from Joel that uh, you know because she could be the future for humanity. Mm-hmm. He can no longer be entrusted with this, as yeah. you say, because of his deafness, his weakness, his fearfulness, and yeah. so on. So, and it all could have ended so many times yeah. so far as well. The end so, of, of the hope for humanity because he's the one with his finger on the trigger and his his sights aren't as well as good as they used to be. Absolutely. You know? yeah. I mean, and you know, just one final thing really here mm. from me is I absolutely loved. Gabriel Luna in in this episode, um, you know his portrayal of Robbie Reyes in Agents of Shield or uh-huh. as as Ghost Rider, and um, really really enjoyed that. Mm. I actually just felt like I'd seen this massive progression in his oh, yeah. him professionally, yeah. uh, his skill, you know, whatever. That's what I mean. It's not something meant to be disrespectful. It's just like. As a much younger actor mm-hmm. doing that show, very different, you know, reason for that show, very different yeah. type of show. And to this, and I was like, I am, was so like impressed with him here. Yeah. I absolutely loved him on screen. It felt real great screen personality. And I was just like, I thought it was fantastic, mm-hmm. uh, his portrayal here. I actually wanted more. I was like thinking, I wish we hadn't lost him after episode one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Because I really liked what he brought. And I, again, I guess it's just that other dynamic for Joel as mm-hmm. well, because he has this pure confessional yes. with him, um, which he's not able to do with Ellie. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't want to show any kind of vulnerability yeah. around Ellie. Firstly, because he doesn't trust her to begin with. He doesn't trust and doesn't believe that she's, that she's, uh, infected and immune. Um, secondly, because she's a child just like his daughter. And now towards episode five and six, because he doesn't want to show vulnerability to her because he feels it's a weakness. 
but he can show that in front of his brother when he can trust him again when he when he gets the lowdown on what is really going on in Jackson um, so yeah I love that progression of Joel and you can see it in him after these scenes after he gets out of Jackson you can see how much more open he is you see the real Joel joking and educating and talking with Ellie which he never had done in the past that's much more of what Joel was like with Sarah back in the first episode so well, yeah absolutely for me, this whole arc in this episode is really showing me, well, first of all, the chops of Pedro Pascal. He's like 47 and he's playing this late 50 year old man in Joel. I play, oh, I play that role man. as a 47 year old every day, Chris. I know, but he's seen some stuff. <laughs> he's seen some, like, you see him carry this weight, mm-hmm. especially this. And in particular, at the starting with these panic attacks. Which the way they chose to film them mm-hmm. is just amazing with this kind of almost throbbing yeah. kind of strobe of kind of blurred vision around. So almost as if you were experiencing the same thing, mm-hmm. but they shifted the focus ever so slightly around Joel that as you watch it, it's almost in time with his heart. Mm-hmm which I found absolutely such a choice yeah. and just beautiful, just a way to kind of show that. Um, and yeah, like the growth of this character towards the end is just fantastic yeah. because you see him, you've seen this man change. And this is why The Last of Us has been this kind of, keystone in video game storytelling and now to be HBO storytelling mm-hmm. because it's not no offense to the walking dead it's not a zombie or it's not army of dead it's not the the day of the dead mm-hmm. it's not those this very much has just always been the story of a daddy and a daughter in different very way in different variations uh, or just the story of its family very much kind of yeah, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. fast, the furious. It's yeah, it's a, it's such so, a different show, and I think we've been we've been saying that from the first oh, from the start of the season, you know. And, and one of the things that's really evident in this episode as well is you hear about Joel and Ellie's march across the country for three months. You hear about them saying they looked into cities that were full of people, and now they're just full of infected. But you don't even get one moment of that. No. Again, another episode has gone by where we see no infected at all yeah yeah in fact i don't think there's even the threat of the infected in the episode at no, any point not really there's no moment where you feel like around the next corner there could be infected well, you, you get um, that at the mo- end of the episode you do yeah i mean you get yeah in in the university definitely yes. you get the sense that okay they could be lurking around here okay uh, but you're kind of you you're and, and I guess this is a bit of the contrast, you know, from that warning from Florence and Marlon at the start. And then you begin to hear, you know, that actually there aren't as many infected out here because they're in the middle of the mountains. Yes. And yes. that's why they've placed Jackson in the middle of this really wide valley in the mountains mm-hmm. is because it's effectively like, you know, shooting fish in a barrel. Exactly. Because... You can you can take you know headshot them from three hundred exactly yeah. <laughs> and you get that from Tommy using his his skills sure. to you know shoot the the heads off any infected <laughs> or you know dangerous 
other groups. I, I think you might be exaggerating that from Joel kind of going, even on your best day, you wouldn't have been able to do that 10 years or 20 years ago. There's yeah. no way you're able to do that now. <laughs> so you get yeah. the sense that, you know, r- there's relative safety here mm-hmm. behind the walls of Jackson, but also in the immediate area. Yeah. It, it explains why, despite the warning at the start, they've had this relatively uneventful, at least from a, a an infected point of yeah. view, route to um to to Jackson. Absolutely, especially so, if you're told you're going to be going across the river of death. Exactly, you're exactly. More. Uh, we should mention that though as well. Just one thing from uh, that's been removed that was in the game. Most of these scenes that are in this episode don't take place in Jackson. They take place at the dam, yeah. um, which is reserved for just a joke in this episode. A great joke, uh, <laughs> though. <laughs> where. Uh, Yes, exactly. Where where Ellie arrives and just says "damn," and uh, and Gerald says that she's not Will Livingston, who was the writer of the pun book that we saw uh, earlier on in the season. So, uh, so I know I'm explaining jokes. I don't need to explain jokes, but it's a very good one. You do, you do do please tell <laughs> tell me tell 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 me more. There you go. <laughs> but I think the other great thing about this reunion between Tommy and Joel is it actually has the potential and almost leads to. You know, a massive bust up with, with Ellie mm-hmm. because she overhears the conversation of effectively, uh, Joel passing the protection of her, that, that mantle, um, to, to Tommy. And, and for Ellie, it's, you know, as she confronts him, uh, back at the place that they've been given, she yeah. says, if you're going to ditch me, ditch me. And, yeah. you know, at the same time, you see Ellie's, emotional nous where she says you know what are you afraid of i'm not her which is the bad idea that she brought <laughs> up sarah mm-hmm. um but she's only just learned that by accident exact, from maria exactly yeah she never knew about sarah she joel. never knew never and that's the other bolt yeah. for joel mm-hmm. here is because he didn't expect her to bring that up yeah you know? and ultimately you you know, there's this potential for a rift. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I like that you get Ellie's thoughts, you know, don't say I'll be better off with someone else because in truth, I'll just be scared again. Yeah. You know, yeah. she, that, the, 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 the fear over time has subsided with her being with, with Joel. Exactly. But ultimately, Joel Every is. Every single person in her life has left her. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But ultimately, Joel is, you know, come dawn. We're, we're going separate ways. We're mm-hmm. heading separate ways. Um, Tommy's going to take over. And I really enjoyed, um, like with the fallout of this argument. Yeah. They were Joel's back in his bedroom and he's remembering Sarah. Uh, and you, you get a flashback to her. You know, there's that memory of Sarah and the music around it before he turns off the lamp is mm-hmm. just superb. It, it was, it was absolutely so good. I, I, it's just the way it plays with the memory of him seeing Sarah. And it was, it was strings, but it, it felt like it was being, and it was, it was the, you know, it is part of the theme, but yeah. it felt really raw, but also, um, improvised. Yeah. It, it didn't, you know, it wasn't polished. It, what, yeah. it, it was just a really nice, moment of where the music sort of reflected those memories of of joel maybe the imperfect ones like he's saying he's beginning he's not remembering his 
his uh, his dreams, you know, he's mm-hmm. becoming forgetful, you know, he's, he's going deaf. And, I know the feeling, Joe. And, uh, and I just thought it was, um, you know, and it just went with him switching the light off to get that evening sleep. Right. So maybe yeah. that could be considered a flashback for the episode then. I think it's more memory. Because yeah. he, ha- he does have the moment where he sees um, a girl in the crowd in Jackson uh, yes. standing in front of the fire. She's got the same hair, this remarkably awesome hair that, uh, that, Sarah had in the beginning of the season, Nico Parker, the actress who played her. I think actually Nico Parker was on set for that scene, um, so that it did look exactly like Sarah, because it was oh, the actress okay. playing her yeah. until she turns around. But what I loved about it as well is that she's got a, a young child in front of her as well. So it's almost like Joel is saying, if this place existed, all in this quick moment, he's saying, if this place existed, my daughter could be alive here and I could be a grandfather and that could be my yeah. grandchild. He's seeing all this in that moment yeah. by the fire. I think that's a, a, a really good moment to kind of pin where Joel is. Uh, well, yeah. yeah, exactly. But I, I think Joel sat on the bed in the house. Mm. It's a memory. It's not a flashback. Okay. It's not telling you a story of yeah. back then. Yeah. It's him recollecting uh, that after this huge argument. And I think even just bookend, bookending that argument with that, mm-hmm. um, it suggests then his turnaround um, the following morning where he's there Mm -hmm. saddling up the horse um, to effectively stand Tommy down and take Ellie onto the university. He's still a little bit gruff in that moment, though, as well. Definitely. He's he's there going, I came down here before dawn, half an hour before I knew you were going to come down here to saddle up the horse and leave, and then I'm still here. He's still not saying to her, I'm really sorry. We shouldn't have had that argument. I'm definitely going to be the one that will take you on to the no. next place. Like he's, he's still not being really open with Ellie. Or he's just, that's how he's putting it that's to just her. How he so is, he doesn't yeah. lose face. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. just, it was just like, and I, it was almost like I went, I came down half an hour ago to kind of go and I still find myself here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I find, I'm constantly finding excuses not to. Yeah, yeah. Go right now. Yeah. And I found that moment so cute. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. That was the moment I was just like, because I, again, not knowing how this is going to play out, yeah. I was like, okay, so Tommy takes her. Mm-hmm. They go off, get stuck somewhere, and Joel is the, has to do the last action hero rescue because he's followed them. <laughs> right. Um, kind of thing. And like he's having to track them behind them because he's, he rides off to the sunset and then turns around yeah. to chase them kind of thing. And I think what really aids this as well, you mentioned it before, Chris, this is a HBO production. This always will draw a great caliber of actor to a show, but also involving Craig Mason in the show with his success with, with Chernobyl, also involving a, a highly respected game that has lots of buzz around it as getting in actors that you wouldn't expect to see in these shows. You know, even Regina Wesley here as uh, as Maria being in the show, massively successful in, on True Blood, uh, had a great career there. So yeah. uh, having her in here uh, in this role of Maria, which is this episode does hinge on the kind of things she tells Ellie and, and how she's dealing with Ellie, but also having Gabriel Luna in here, you don't expect him to be left behind at the end of the episode because you're going, we've waited five episodes exactly. to see him after the start. Yeah. He's definitely going to go on this road trip with him. Oh, actually, no, he's not. He's going to stay behind and Joel's going to yeah. take on what he should be taking on and, and bring Ellie uh, off to where he needs to get her to. Well, that's yeah. it. And I mean, that rift that... 
could potentially have happened in that moment, that, that passing of ways between Joel and Ellie mm-hmm. actually becomes the reverse in, you know, like we see when they're back on exactly. the road where he's teaching her how to shoot the rifle. He's uh-huh. teaching her about NFL positions and, and the rules <laughs> of the game. What happened in the world before, such as, uh, you know, the way of that world, um, that he was a contractor, yeah. uh, all of that, um, brings them pulls them together probably gives joel more comfort in dealing with her now that in in effect the unspeakable which is sarah Mm -hmm. has been spoken yeah you know in in a sense almost like it just needed to get out there exactly um and yeah i i agree with you as well chris that that moment in the stables i thought was really really cute um i just love the fact he goes you deserve a choice, and just then her her duffel bag is just flung into his uh, yeah. midriff. Yeah, like yeah. Right, I, I'm coming. <laughs> there with is no you, choice here. I'm you coming. know, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, let's go. Absolutely. Effectively, absolutely. Do you think the showrunners knew what what dates these episodes were going to air when they were making the show? It's really unlikely that that's what happens normally. And in this case, last week's episode took place in Kansas City and the Kansas City Chiefs were in the Super Bowl. And this week's episode, <laughs> Jill's teaching Ellie about the rules of American football and it's airing the week after uh, after the Super Bowl. I just find that really weird. <laughs> That's, there was no mention of it in, the, in all of the other episodes and the two episodes that bookend uh, the, the Super Bowl have uh, connections to it. No, I just think it's really, <laughs> really good timing. It's like Hideo Kojima's game, yeah. Death Stranding, all about people being in lockdown mm. and the, like all these things. And that came out pretty much at, just at the begin. Well, it came out just before mm-hmm. um, COVID lockdown and all that stuff. And like, yeah. it was just like, oh my god, these people Did are prophets. Predict? How'd they know? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I think that's it probably from, uh, from Colorado, right? And from uh, the, the re-meeting of, uh, of Tommy and, uh, and Jill, right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to talk about the last point then, the last moments in this episode when we get to the University of Colorado, um, which is another point on the journey that doesn't really seem to lead to what they want to see. They're trying to get to the Firefly doctors that can test on Ellie and, and try and cure the, uh, the, the, the infection um but when they get there the colorado university is completely empty um i do love that they kept the monkeys in for the game definitely um, it was so cute to see the monkeys running wild uh, in uh, the university of colorado um there's indications that those monkeys were the ones that were being tested on in the labs in the university or in the uh, by the scientists effectively so they've now gotten free and they're overrunning the uh the university but again i mentioned earlier on and you guys actually mentioned as well that there's a that there was no infected in the episode but there is a feeling that if you walk into the university at a completely empty massive structure like this that you could find uh infected in there yeah, I, I get what you mean uh that there was a possibility of that but it is completely empty um they have a, a they get a kind of a guiding idea that they could be going off to uh to utah as the next uh the next place they'll be going to all the pins lead to utah yes yeah so why utah why uh, has have the fireflies relocated there is it better equipment is it uh are they getting all the resources together are they all mormons possibly yeah. salt lake city yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe yeah um but what's more important here to the episode is 
as they discover um, their next destination on this uh, on this cross country journey, um, a group of hunters happen to be walking through um, the university itself. So whether they've been watching them before they got there and have caught up with them or whether they followed them here or whether this is just literally they are scavenging and happen to come across the university when Joel and Ellie are there. Um, we don't really know, but uh, but it does get quite brutal, um, gets quite uh, dangerous for Ellie and Joel. You know, we've, we've had those warnings throughout this episode of the dangers that are out there in the world. And this is exactly the kind of danger that you, um, you run into is a group like this that are, um, potentially going to take your life um the fight that we have between uh between joel and this and this hunter as ellie gets in the horse i thought was uh, i thought was really uh, was really good um the fact that he smashes his baseball bat and then that's what he uses and end off stabbing joel with the with the baseball bat you're kind of wondering did joel cause that in a way was it accidental on the guy's behalf would it have been better if joel had just been hitting the side with the baseball bat rather than um, getting stabbed by uh, by this bat. Also, why did he pull it out? Well, that too. That stuff's wow. in there. Yeah. You're like, you leave it in there because otherwise you're going to bleed. Yeah. And you think he know that. Yeah, I think he's just in shock in that moment. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things that, that people always say, you know, those warnings of uh, what you do if you're attacked by a bear, you know, or what you do if, if, a, if a lion's charging towards you, you know. All great things to tell you in advance of it happening, but uh, when it actually happens to you in real life, um, are you really going to listen to that, or are you going to go, "Hang on a second, did I just get stabbed?" <laughs> and then take the knife out. Well, that's yeah. it. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of it's this group, whoever they may be, mm. are these the people ultimately that Florence and Marlon were warning about? Because I mean, mm. even mo- coming from Jackson to the university mm-hmm. again, Joel and Ellie. I think it's Ellie that says, I don't know what the, the, the elderly couple were on about because it's another three yeah. days and nothing's happened to them. Exactly. And then you get the event that happens to them at, yeah. at the campus. Yeah. I, I think part of that is to do with people's fear of the world is probably keeping them alive, even though there's nothing out there. But some yeah. people are just so fearful of what's going on. Yeah. They keep themselves really safe. And that can be a good thing or it can end off you not being a part of this community like jackson you know i i think they actually would probably have accepted in the elderly couple if they had wanted to go there because um they they aren't murderers and they're not infected right so uh, that the, we know that we know of that we know of they're murderers to the of. rabbit community yeah uh, you're yes right. exactly um, but yes <laughs> the world is changing there are there are marauders there are raiders out there there are uh these hunters out there um but you may be really lucky and never actually meet any of them i suppose is the is the is the situation but unfortunately here joel has met them and again ellie's the one that saves him um that is part of the revelation to tommy is joel worried that he's not able to save ellie and that she saved him multiple times now and she does it again here she's the one that fires the gun in the air to drive off the hunters gets him on the horse and gets him out of there um but we've got a massive cliffhanger at the end of this episode uh, as joel falls to the ground um blood pouring out of him um so is this a a, a good cliffhanger for the end of the episode i i think it's more how they get out of it because i i don't think they can kill off joel like 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 the middle of nowhere Unless there's another massive time jump kind of thing, yeah. Um, I, I, I get the the very much the feeling. It's like 
Well, how do they get past this situation? Mm. The one thing I, 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 I'm aware of is that we're due more flashbacks. So I'm wondering if this next episode is like essentially even flashbacks, but more kind of like hallucinations is Joel hallucinating on one thing and Ellie trying to stave off an infection and get him to safety and blah, 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 Maybe. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm lo- like, it did leave me a bit like, Oh, Oh, okay. Not, yeah. not, not how I was expecting it. And they've already been on the road for a while. So how does Ellie get him back on the horse? Mm-hmm. Like, she again is a 14 year old child, 13 mm-hmm. year old child. She can't lift him onto the horse. Yeah. 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 Like, like unless she starts going into Newton's laws of kind of <laughs> pulley systems yeah. and like wrap around trees and the horse and there's so much there that might yeah. be what's um, needed. That's yeah. that's yep. exactly what she might do. Yeah, I mean, I I love just the pure image um, established with him on the ground, the horse, almost like a bit of a snow blizzard starting to come in. Mm-hmm. The whiteness, just that whiteness of that snowy sky, the ground. Um, you know, and in a sense, that helplessness expressed by Ellie at the end, you know, I can't do this alone. Mm-hmm. And, and it's to the point from everything happened. Joel thinks that she's saving him, but it's actually, it's the team. Exactly. You know, it's both of them. She's getting her strength. She's getting her skills mm-hmm. from doing that. Um, and, you know, this is foreshadowed at the start of the episode in the first panic attack mm-hmm. coming out of the cabin where she thinks he's having a heart attack. And she goes, you know, if you die, I'm effed. Yeah. Uh, basically. Yeah. And that's where we leave it at the end of the episode mm-hmm. with her saying, um, you know, I can't do this uh, alone. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I really, you know, I scared Ellie effectively. I really yeah. thought it was... um kind of great stuff to be honest okay. and i thought bella ramsey just i mean i really don't know how actors just generate tears in their eyes i have no comprehension i mean yeah. they always talk about going back to a sad time and or whatever an uh-huh. emotionally sad time they're, i can kind of so good they understand like, that yeah. but at how I'd have to put Vic's vapor rub in my eye or something like that. I think that. Some, some of them do do some that still. Do, you know, yeah. I think that is an old joke. Yeah, I think, you know, I just have to like, I just smear it on my pupil. You know. <laughs> you just rub it right in there. Yeah. Um, but like, I, you know, I just yeah. was really so good. Yeah. I, and I know we we already called out, you know, Gabriel Luna and, and Regina Wesley and, and um, Pedro Pascal in this episode, but Bella Ramsey is fantastic as well oh, throughout yeah. this episode, playing all those emotions of, yeah. you know, being abandoned by the only person that's stuck around, uh, you know, all yeah. of those moments and getting to the end of this episode here and potentially being abandoned in an even worse place, you know, being abandoned yeah. in a town <laughs> full of other people. Hey, not so bad. I know it's an awful moment, but being abandoned here in the middle of nowhere after an attack yeah. um, is awful. So yeah. Uh, so, yeah, wonderful job there. But, gentlemen, I think that's the end of all the points. They don't have any notes they want to highlight. I've got a couple of notes, and I'm try- going to try and keep them as light spoilery as possible. But there's a couple of really nice nods here to the games um, in the episode. Is that okay? I think that's fair. I think it's perfect. I think, yeah. I think it's very fair. Good stuff. Well, a very cute one. Um, the foal that Ellie pets in Jackson. She pets the newest baby horse that's arrived in Jackson. That foal is called Shimmer, and that is Ellie's horse in the game. 
So yeah. that's very cute. Uh, there's a character called Dinah uh, from Last of Us Part Two, um, major character in Last of Us Part Two. Uh, that's the ca- that we well, possibly it might just be uh, the character that Ellie shouts out to for being really nosy um, while she's having her meal in Jackson for the first time. So, oh, yeah, that's, nice. that's a nice little call out for uh, for the second game. Um, Ellie learning how to whistle is also a great one. Uh, that's the one that was used to show the passage of time in the game. Uh, you see Ellie in the background unable to whistle, and then th- you have the three months have passed, and Ellie's whistling as she walks past Joel. So it's another way of that that they showed things have happened, uh, which I just thought that's was cool it. in the game. So yeah. uh, just mentioning it uh, in there. Oh, and I also mentioned, uh, of course, Ellie's damn joke being her uh, being her pun joke from uh, from Will Livingston's pun book. So yeah. yes. Excellent. So callbacks and dots there. Haven't spoiled anything there, have I? No, I kept it vague enough. enough. <laughs> I think yeah, so. Exactly. Good stuff. Are you, and just to clarify, we may be seeing Shimmer again then. We may be. Shimmer, Shimmer's definitely in the second game. Yes, and exactly. It's, it's yes. Ellie's horse in the second game. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So we will see how far they stick to the game in season two. Exactly. <laughs> Excellent stuff. John, any notes from yourself? Um, yeah, just uh, the movie uh, that Ellie is, I guess, forced to watch mm. with annoying children around her um, <laughs> is Goodbye Girl, uh, starring Richard Dreyfus. Initially, I was thinking it was um, Close Encounters of mm. the Old Third Kind, uh, but no, it's Goodbye Girl 1977, that rich run of Richard Dreyfus movies that he did. <laughs> he was in Jaws like two years before that as well, exactly. wasn't he? So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a big time for Dreyfus. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yes. Well, excellent stuff. I have no notes, so that means only one thing. It is time to wrap up our thoughts and just basically ask, overall, what did you think of The Last of Us? Episode 6, Kin Derek. Absolutely love this episode. Really, really good. I think, um, as I mentioned, I thought the tension that had been built up in the previous five episodes allowed them to breathe a bit more in this episode, but still maintain that tension throughout it uh, because you're not sure what's going to happen. This will be a regular feature of other shows like Walking Dead, getting to a town, it all looks perfect and underneath the surface something's going to happen, something's going to break out, everybody's going to die. And I think by establishing in the last few episodes that somebody dies by the end of an episode, you actually think that's what's going to happen here in uh, in Jackson at some point but having this working community seeing what Ellie's reaction to it is uh, as she hasn't really seen a working community outside of Fedra controlled uh, environments that she's been involved in having the reunion of the two major characters Joel and, and Tommy um, together the people that we haven't seen together since the opening of the first episode those were the characters that you thought you were going to be following through the season as yeah. well remember they were they were the ones that got out uh, at the beginning Um uh, having that reunion, it works really, really well. Uh, introducing these new characters like Maria, uh, it was fantastic. Uh, loved this episode. I thought it was perfectly played. It almost made me go, if this was a different type of show, if it wasn't on HBO, I think they could bring in writers and tell the story of what's going on in Jackson, how it became as, how it became this town, and how it goes on into the future. That you could almost have a spin-off show based around Jackson and the characters that are in here because they're so well drawn. That's not something that's going to happen in the Last of Us universe. Uh, that's not how these writers are going to work. This is a show that's going to tell a finite story within its nine episodes and then a second season, uh, as we know, is coming as well. So, um, but it, it they, were, they were just so well drawn. It was great to see. It, it felt like a working place that 
you don't see very often in, in these types no. of shows and just great characters great performances really loved it uh, really excited to see where it's going and what's going to happen to Joel and Ellie next week yes Good and stuff. to any writers or producers listening to us please do not give us a spinoff right now like, just give us a season two and then we'll we'll, we'll take it from there <laughs> if you want to have some some kind of web series that holds us over no, until season no. two do that no. maybe maybe <laughs> but like Along with the, the season two, give us season two. Yes, first. Season, season two is coming. Two season two is coming. How about a podcast based in Jackson that we could host? Ooh. Yes, yes. <laughs> As the podcasters at the end of That'd the apocalypse. Good. There you go. <laughs> I'm happy with that. Unfortunately, my American accent isn't as good as Bella Ramsey's, so I couldn't keep it up no. uh, for a whole episode. But we'll learn. We'll learn. <laughs> we will practice. If HBO want to hire us, I will learn accents. There you go, Chris. Well, if you, yeah, you I was going to say if yours isn't any good. Imagine, mine. yeah. Imagine Chris's. Imagine mine. <laughs> like, how do y'all? Let's all get on to the <laughs> well, next. That's then, like hey, exactly hey, what I was hey, thinking. Hey, Mr. Harrison, you come on here now and you give us some really good <laughs> thoughts of what you thought of this episode, Kim. I love it. That's um, it. Would it would feel like a period? That's Chris's drama. LA accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be more like Gone with the Wind, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I do declare, sir. <laughs> Frankly, John, I don't give a damn for that podcast. Right. Uh, what did you think <laughs> well, of this episode of The Last of Us, John? <laughs> well, given this is family, uh, for me, this is uh, five too, too fast, too fungy out of five. Nice. Um, yes, uh, it's family. I had another one as well. I was going to say five Campus of the Monkeys out of five. Oh, I like that. Instead of Planet of the Apes, yeah. Campus of the Monkeys. I there like we go. Yes. I like it. Um, but I thought, you know, Kin is the episode. Mm. And another five a, out of five here. All about family. Another five out of five for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I just really enjoyed, uh, in, in some ways, I think, looking back, almost... It's necessary to have Ellie and Joel-centric, even though you've got Tommy coming back in Mm -hmm. and a lot of other stuff going on. It really fundamentally hones down on their relationship, Mm -hmm. how, um, in a sense, skewed it is between the two of them um, and the realisation with everything going on um, in Jackson with the argument, with... Joel's feelings around his, his dead daughter, mm-hmm. you know, from 20 years ago, that he has something with Ellie, yeah. which you then see on that, you know, as they leave on horseback from, uh, from Jackson. So I really enjoyed that. I loved seeing, uh, Gabriel Luna back on screen, um, after his, what, four episode sort of break uh, after being in, in episode one. I really, really enjoyed him here. I definitely want to see more of, of Gabriel Luna, um, which is probably a good thing for uh, a season two, okay. um, hopefully. And also then, you know, the couple at the start were just superb Brilliant. for me. Um yeah. You know, really good start to an episode, especially given that, you know, you have the previously on with Now TV, but once that had happened, once we had the opening credits of this sixth episode, you get the flashback, um, in that sense, or, or the dream or, or the memory of Henry killing himself and, and, and uh, Ellie's sort of shout out in in shock and horror of it so mm-hmm. um to then go into this 
couple uh, in the cabin, which was just sublime. The that was as sublime as everything else. Um, it really was. And I mean, that's what makes a great TV show is it in a sense, it's quite off kilter comedy moment is, is acted so damn well. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel out of place in such an emotionally charged family driven, um, episode so i i I love this episode um and yeah Mm -hmm. five too fast too fungy out of five fantastic excellent chris what about yourself this show has just consistently brought it's a game um for me um it is a story i'm invested in it's something i as i already kind of stated with you guys and with our audience I know where the story is going. I know the ending. Mm. How we're getting there has always eluded me. I, I just have never played through the game, yeah. so therefore I've never known what the beats are. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still so invested, even knowing where we're getting to, just knowing that the, these individual beats and the focus on the characters, it reminds me almost of Watchmen when we podcast about that, which mm-hmm. is nearly every episode I'm like this is a 4 out of 5 this is a 5 out of 5 like this was car- the characters were deep mm-hmm. and even though we're seeing this is probably the last time we'll see Gabriel Luna maybe as Tommy like perhaps like that alone was like yeah worth his weight in gold this episode yeah. and the first episode like it's just perfect it's like every time like when when we saw Bill and Frank mm-hmm. for one episode that episode is still some of the best TV I've seen in the last decade. Mm-hmm. And they've continued that level. Now, like, again, that is probably still the pinnacle of this, this show right now for me. Mm-hmm. But each other episode still delivers for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like Joel in this, in that, like, you're at this high level of stress and tension for each of these kind of, you're waiting for the next big thing and you feel the, just the tension in the air. Yeah. And then you feel it evaporate as they get on the horse, horse together mm-hmm. at the end and just kind of ride off. And then you feel that just turn on a dime as you pan away at the end of this episode and Joel is dying and, Ellie is there just laying over his body. Mm-hmm. Like, you feel that emotion. And that's what this is about. This is why Craig Mason and basically Neil from Naughty Dog, that's why when you get these people together and these award-winning directors, mm-hmm. you do get this story where and kind of show where people individual each episode are drawn to watch it and watch it absolutely. and watch it and watch it. Absolutely. So absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent. Um, before you have a panic attack, Chris, uh, if you're feeling like Joe, <laughs> shall we go off and get some bacon and bourbon? Yes, definitely. We really do with some. So, Johners, do you want to tell us the question six for the Last of Us pub quiz? Yes. Sorry, I'm just stirring my bourbon with my bacon. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Can, can we actually try that? Can we get some <laughs> nice. Just stir it with a some bacon stirrer. Bacon. Mm. Yeah. We are we are no longer having panic attacks. We are now having heart attacks. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a little oil slick of pork fat on top of the bourbon. <laughs> mm. Yum. Oh. Anyway, I digress 
fellow survivors, fellow fungies, uh, and fellow quizzes, of mm-hmm. course. Uh, episode six, which brings us on to question six. What is the name of Ellie's favorite astronaut? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a, that was a cool conversation. I love the fact that Joel also knew instantly what it was yeah. before she said it. Well, that's the other side of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was quite cool. Yes, it was really cool. So one more time for the people in the background. Absolutely. I'll shout a little louder so you can hear. What is the name of Ellie's favourite astronaut? Mm-hmm. There we go. It's connected to a song from The Commitments as well, isn't it? It, it certainly is. <laughs> uh, that's, that's obviously an in-joke that nobody will get until they know the answer to this question, and then they might get it. <laughs> right. Uh, thanks, John. If you want to enter our Pope quiz, of course, all you need to do is gather together the answers to all nine questions at the end of the season. Email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Uh, your entry will then go into the hat, uh, w- along with all the other correct entries, and you will have the opportunity to win a copy of The Last of Us Part 1 on PlayStation 5 or on PC, your choice, uh, or an equivalent prize, uh, which we'll come up with if you don't have a PlayStation 5 or a PC because we're not buying you either of those um, <laughs> to be in with an additional chance uh, to enter that competition you can also rate us on Apple Podcasts and send us just send us a quick screen grab of uh, of the rating that you put up there and uh, we will put you in as another entrant on there excellent stuff so let's move on to some feedback for this episode and some of the previous episodes too but before we do we just want to do a special shout out to all of you who support us on patreon this episode in particular was brought to you by our patrons including jimmy Uren. thank you so much jimmy absolutely thanks jimmy and of course as we mentioned earlier on our website also now brought to you by our wonderful patrons yes thanks so much jimmy uh great to have your support Mm mm-hmm Yes, thank you so much to everyone. And if you want to be like Jimmy or anyone else, you can head on over to patreon.com slash TV podcast industries where you can support us for an ongoing monthly amount. Uh, and it is much appreciated. If you want to just also buy us a coffee, you can head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash TVPI where you can buy our illustrious editor a coffee to keep him basically editing away and now updating the brand new fancy website. Until the wee hours of the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'll, I'll do that uh, as well. I, I could do that yes. while I'm editing. I can, I can double exactly. task. <laughs> yeah, you're a multitasker. Exactly. We, we, we believe in you. Exactly. But let's head on over and discuss some feedback that we've got. First up, we have some email feedback from Susan who had this to say. Really enjoyed your podcast. I have thought about Kathleen in episode five. When she was giving her speech to Henry, saying Sam isn't the most important person in the world, I think there was definitely rage at Henry for giving up her brother to Fedra, but also a lot of guilt. It struck me as her trying to convince herself that it was wrong for Henry to save his brother at the expense of hers, when a big part of her feels guilty that she didn't do something similar. Mm. Michael is her very first priority, even in death. And we see her sacrifice countless lives as a result. Mm -hmm. When she tells her story about their childhood, I felt she was a bit tortured. Remembering it as she felt he had always been there for her and she ultimately let him down. Mm. Kudos to Melanie Linsky for another amazing and complex performance. Thanks, Susan and VT. Thanks, Susan. Yeah, um... Melanie's performance across these episodes were absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also see what you mean with this kind of two-factored kind of 
thought process going on, her trying to convince herself. Personally, I felt it was more self-serving. Like, the, the story she got and she gave around, there was definitely guilt there. But that end scene, it was very much, oh, no, 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 not no one man is above all else. But I'm going to be a hypocrite because my brother is above all else. That's personally the, the aspect I kind of okay. dove in and kind of hung on to, which is there's a hypocrisy there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I do where see you're, where you're coming from, Sue. It's an interesting one for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of mentioned it on the podcast last week. One of the things that I found interesting about her argument is she's not wrong. Like, why is anybody's person more important than anybody else's person? You know, yeah. that's that's kind of the thing. Her most, her most important person was her brother. She didn't have children. Um, she didn't have a younger kid brother. So her most important person was her brother. And because of uh, Henry's actions, he died. So yeah. why does that give him leeway to allow his brother to live? Um, so it's not that I agree with it, but she made an argument that I can see playing out in her mind uh, as well. But um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really, it's just a, a wonderful character. Lovely and nuanced for a character that only appeared in two episodes of the show. Yeah, and absolutely. Mel Linsky does that so well. I cannot wait for Yellow Jacks season two, which is coming out next month, I think. Um, really looking forward to seeing much more of Mel Linsky in that. Yeah, thank you so much, Susan, and I'm really pleased you're enjoying the podcast, uh, and uh, greetings to you in Vermont, I'm guessing. Yeah, yes, VT. That, could, that could be it, I was trying to work out where But I might be wrong, yeah. I'm just having a good guess. So. <laughs> could be Virginia Tech, we don't know. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> good stuff. I, I, I was trying to think of every VT, and I was like, I can't do anything else. Videotape is all Video I ever tape, have in my head because yeah. I'm because I'm really old. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> but it also killed the radio star, so it is. It's it, it, it's huge. Yeah. It will yeah. always stay in our memory. Yeah, thanks so much again, Susan. We also got some feedback through on our Facebook group over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash. TV podcast industries. Mm-hmm. First up, Parthenia Dupree Locklear says, This was an emotional ending. Tough. I have no complaints about this show. Each episode has me ready for the next episode. I'm about to listen to your review. Hopefully, you touch on the bloater because I need more info. Thanks, Parthenia. I'm not too sure whether we actually talked. We talked about obviously the scene with the bloater and with and with the clickers that are in that are in the episode. But I don't know whether we really talked much about what the bloater is um, in last week's episode. I think it's that a big might clicker. be what Parthenia is saying. Uh, yes, a bloater is another advanced version of a clicker. So effectively, you move on from being a hunter, being recently turned <laughs> as an effective. <laughs> well, like, effectively, exactly. it's a video game. Yeah, exactly. So in a video game, it's a higher level. But it, but this is supposed to be something that's beyond a clicker. It's something that's gone gone beyond that stage or uh, has has evolved in a different way to yeah. a clicker. Yeah, I have to say, after the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special, mm-hmm. I felt it was Groot with some kind of condition, bark <laughs> condition, because of the swole Groot. Oh right, uh, this yeah. was a swole clicker, um, kind of, or, or it was Groot. He was the chunky boy. Yeah. He was the chunky boy. <laughs> exactly. He, except uh, from he they, they they made him a bit muscly. Like basically he he like you know how the Marvel abs, basically this is the HBO abs, <laughs> and essentially the bloater got the, the HBO abs versus kind of bloating out too much. I, I know you're saying that as a joke, Chris, but uh look up the actor that played him. Um anybody wanna see what he looks like? He is a very good looking man. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, go check that out. He's, uh, he's been in a number of roles in the past, uh, for major production on HBO and, uh, a lot of people swooning over what he looks like without that $500,000 <laughs> 
costume uh, over them wow. for the bloater. So it's like yeah. a present when you open it or Pretty much. Okay, yeah. excellent. <laughs> uh, go to his Instagram. Uh, he opens it up. Is he down as bloater? <laughs> Is he down as bloater on Instagram? I'd have to look it up. I think just uh, just Google actor behind the bloater in, uh, in Last of Us and you'll see. Excellent. Good stuff. To... In The Last of Us. And the, in The Last of Us, otherwise you may get some well, great things. That is true. Yes, you could. Yes. Thanks so much for your thoughts, Parthenia, on the episode. It, it, I'm glad you're enjoying the show as well, and thanks for listening to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Parthenia. On this week's episode, uh, Victor Von Doom says, an episode full of powerful scenes like this should rack up critical acclaim, if not multiple awards for the series. The story and cast are tremendous with the Christmas backdrop as well. I felt that Joel-Tommy reunion a bit anticlimactic. I was at first disappointed with Joel not coming clean about Tess and Ellie or coming somewhat to grips with his past. Ellie most certainly has an effect on him, which is very touching. She seems to be the more mature and honest of the duo. I was very surprised and pleased to see Routine and Wesley here. It spurned all kinds of true blood flashbacks. <laughs> I would like to see more of Marie and Tommy. I really like their house and the community. The target shooting lesson was priceless. The Depeche Mode tune as a recur- recurring theme is is fitting. Perhaps next season they might try the Talking Heads Road to Nowhere. <laughs> but they have got a target this season, so maybe next season uh, they don't have a target. They don't have a specific place to go so maybe that would be uh the recurring theme next season that is true interestingly the uh the version of the uh depeche mode song is actually sung by craig mason's daughter Ew. in this episode and part of the reason why he asked her to do it is because as her father he was trying to get the emotionality of a singer singing the song about her father like ellie and joel's relationship has become in this episode yeah. so uh, what a cool idea to uh, to cover that song for for this finale yes and thanks victor for bringing up the target shooting lesson because that was absolutely priceless i don't mm-hmm. think we actually mentioned it in no. in our discussions but yeah um caressing making love to a, a rifle Hilarious. i guess yes yeah. Yeah, they definitely missed a trick though with it because the 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 shot actually went through the H, mm-hmm. not the O. It should have <laughs> gone through the O. He should he should have gone literally a couple of bits right, and rather than go through the the bottom of the hit, the lowercase H, he should have gone through the O to the center of the. O. Would have been a better joke. It, it, it would have been. It would have been. But I, and again, I don't want to repeat things that people have already heard on the official podcast. But one of the things I liked about this is. Uh, Craig Mason says this is a one in a million shot and one in a billion at the moment for Joel because he's already complaining that he's lost his touch. So the fact that he hit it at all just makes him look really (laughs) like magic dad (laughs) to to Ellie. You know, look, this this amazing ability that he has that she couldn't even hit uh, the the target at all and he's able to hit it dead on. So, uh, but really like it, really like it. Good stuff. Thanks for that, Victor. Yeah, thank you, Victor. And finally, uh, we have Jamie Lawson on this week's episode, who says, good episode with a couple of great guest appearances from Graham Greene from Dances with Wolves and Elaine Miles from Northern Exposure. Fleeting as they were, at least they survived. It's very true. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would love, I mean, it's not the kind of show, but mm. I'd love it if they, the spin-off series could be with, um, Florence and Marlon. Just set it in a house and people come and visit them and they take the piss out of them every week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is that what they do? <laughs> I like it. It would just be really, at least a one-off. It would be really good. <laughs> I guess it was a bit like a Christmas special given there was snow outside. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen Northern Exposure. I'm thinking the only one I remember is the one with the Mountie. And I think that's close, but that's actually not that. No, that's, that's due south, I think. That's you're it. Thinking yes. of. That's, that's out like Where a half hour comedy. Mountie comes down. Yeah. Yes. yes. There you go. Yeah. Now, Northern Exposure, I do remember. because, mm. uh, But it's quite a while ago now. So, um, it was a cult show from the 90s based yeah. in uh, in Canada and uh, had a similar sensibility to uh, Twin Peaks in a way. It wasn't a murder well, show. it wasn't like Twin Peaks. Yeah, it wasn't a murder show, but it had that kind of dark sense of humor. Yeah, it in, did, because yeah. I remember that and X-Files mm-hmm. were my kind of... Your jams. They were my jams, yeah. Excellent, excellent. I must watch Northern Exposure again, because it's ages, and I just don't remember an awful lot of it. I feel like it might have been the 90s the last time you watched it. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Good stuff. But such great guest stars here, as yeah. I mentioned earlier on, you know, HBO being able to draw them in, Craig Mason obviously adding to it, and just it adds to the prestige of the show when you have someone that only appears for 15 minutes at a show and they've got such a big body of work as as uh, as these two do as well. So great stuff. Thanks so much, Jamie. And thanks, everybody, for your feedback. If you want to send us any thoughts on our podcast or any of the shows that we're covering, you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop it over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. Uh, also, come and visit us on the website at tvpodcastindustries.com. Uh, loads of contact places on there as well. And you can get the pub quiz questions and every episode of every show that we're covering because we're covering lots and lots of stuff at the moment aren't we yeah we certainly are yes 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 we are covering star wars the bad batch and star trek picard each and every week Mm -hmm. because you know what we want much like a certain person from a pub quiz question we want to be in the stars. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, we do. Yes, there we are. And that's along with our coverage of The Last of Us. Three more episodes to go of The Last of Us. Next week is episode seven. One for the gamers here, Left Behind. Uh, I think we all know what that one means. Yes. Very excited about that episode. Uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Yes, it's uh, definitely going to be a good one. And also, in case you missed it, we also went to the cinema this week because we don't all, we don't just cover TV uh, on TV podcast industries. We also went and saw uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. The 31st MCU movie. Uh, that is also available on our Movies on TV podcast feed and it's, TV podcast it feed. It certainly is. And yeah. the kickoff to Phase 5. It is, yes. Yeah. Yes. Unfortunately, Chris couldn't make it for that one. No, I couldn't, unfortunately. I know. Boo me. <laughs> yes, and if you like what you heard on this podcast or any of our podcasts, make sure you rate and review us. But also, more importantly, we also very much appreciate if you can share the podcast because sharing the podcast is what, gentlemen? Sharing the love. Sharing the love. Yes, or sharing indeed. a horse. Sharing the yes. horse. Yes. Yes. Sharing yes. some food. Sharing a rabbit. Sharing some bourbon. <laughs> sharing some bacon. There you go. And <laughs> bourbon. Go. Sure, yeah, exactly. <laughs> sharing some bacon and bourbon. Yeah. Absolutely. Excellent. Okay, I'm definitely going off to try that. Thanks so much for joining us. Talk to you again next time. Yes, thank you so much. And we'll speak to you next week. Yes, thank you so much, fellow survivors, for joining us uh, in the meantime and before next week. Keep watching, keep listening, and keep surviving. Bye. Bye. Bye.